They think, they think trapping. He did it before, and now he did it again, and all he got was beat off. Uh, he didn't really do anything. It's his responsibility. He did it before, and now it happened again. So he's responsible for a guy's thing. On the street, it's trapping. Nothing but trapping. Look, there's no two ways about it, counselor. Trapman's got to be hit. He made a mistake. Oh, wait a minute. I get it. I see what you mean. The public angle and all. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, if they agree with you, assuming that, um, can you hit Trapman? Sure. And what about this squirrel fella? Because... He seems like the leading candidate to me. Probably not. I need Mickey for that one. Mickey? New York Mickey? Why can't you handle? Because school knows me. Didn't I say that already? He needed something done once. Dylan couldn't do it, so I did it, so he knows me. He's going to figure if he's waiting on someone, he's waiting on me or Dylan. So what? You ever killed anyone? No. You can get touchy-feely. Touchy-feely? Emotional, not fun. A lot of fuss. They cry, they plead, they beg, they piss themselves, they call for their mothers. It's it embarrassing. I like to kill them softly. From a distance. Not close enough for feelings. Don't like feelings. Don't want to think about them. You need Mickey. What's the problem? Mickey's expensive. Not at the moment. You get him for 10? 15. You do it for 15? 15, asshole. I think in this economy, a quick 15 for two days' work would sound pretty good to Mickey. We'll sell him a party. Fly in, whack a guy, fly out. Quick 15. Fly coach. This is a Cinema 9 podcast. I am Michael Govier, along with Travis Roy, Eric Branchman. We talk film, movies. We don't mess around. We get right to the point. No <laughs> jokes. There's no comedy. It's strictly business on today's show. Sorry for the delay. I'll take responsibility for that. Society, life, you know, etc. cetera. Uh, sometimes things get backlogged, and we had to make adjustments. And when you make adjustments with three people, there's three schedules. So it doesn't mean you could just instantly do it tomorrow morning or the next day but we're here now and travis roy i gotta say it's uh it's good to be back it is good to be back could, could we maybe break the rules and make one or two jokes i mean is that all right 
don't know. We'll see how it goes. We'll see I mean, if it shuts down. It's a very serious film we'll be discussing today. The Andrew Dominic 2012 film. What the fuck's it called again? The Fugees. The Fugees. It's called The Fugees. Oh, Fugies. The Fugees. The Fugees. Right? Wow. Yeah. Killing Them Softly. Killing Them Softly. Killing them I thought it was Dolly Parton. Uh, uh, Roberta Flack, right? Wasn't she the original? Eric, you're nodding. Oh, Eric, how are you? How's Griffith Park? I'm Griffith, doing so. Whatever. I'm doing so good. I had such a great weekend of like antiquing and like I had a steak and like had a nice screwdriver the other day. I'm doing awesome. Yeah, nice right. screwdriver the other day. Yeah, that's something you don't hear every day. Nice little Saturday. Yeah, that's fantastic news. I'm really happy for you. And yes, we're doing Killing Them Softly. It was Travis's choice. Travis made this decision. So if you don't like it or if you love it, then give him all the accolades or all the shame. I'll leave it to you guys to make those decisions. Either way, he can handle it. He'll move on with his life. Uh, But what's going on, Hazelbark, Travis? Anybody uh, anybody come by your uh, lawn recently? (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's been no visitors of uh, of people. requesting asylum as has happened before uh the only visitor i've had today was an, an extremely tall comcast man who came in and to my home and with little with little footies on which i really appreciated like he came <laughs> in and i was like how do i ask this man to take his shoes off if he's going to come in and out of my house then on his own he took out these little like hospital scrub footy things and put them on i'm like i am grateful for you you tall bastard and he fixed my internet and now we're able to be here or i'm able to be here you would have been just the two of you otherwise Wow. Well, shit, that's always an adventure over there in Hazel Park. You know, it's, a- <laughs> it's a wild life, I tell you. Ooh, it's baby. A wild, it's wild a wild world. Uh, oh, ooh, baby. It's, oh, we're gonna, I thought we were doing Talking Heads, but I'll we're going to do Wild up. World by I'll Cat Stevens. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's a remix. Girl Talk. Remember when Girl Talk was everything? Oh, yeah. That was really uh, that was really a big deal for two seconds. Maybe five seconds, but yeah, it was Maybe a huge deal. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Hazel Park doesn't get its respect, by the way. Everyone loves Ferndale. Everyone loves Royal Oak. But Hazel Park just sits there next to it, gets shit on. And I don't like it. And I'm here to support Hazel Park. I want them to know it. All right. Well, I'll go out door to door to my neighbors, tell them how much Mike Govey appreciates them and their efforts. Damn right. I usually get a paycheck from Hazel Park Public Schools. It was a good life. Uh, It was a simple life, but still a decent life. Mm. Eric Branstrom, Griffith, Indiana. I've never worked for the public schools of Griffith, Indiana, but I hear they're pretty decent. I'm really happy. I'm excited. I got four more weeks of vacation, so you know I'm going to be sitting around watching a shitload of movies, taking care of my daughter, and it's going to be a wild ride. Wild, 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 wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, right. I feel like you should dress up as this Brad Pitt for Halloween one year. I, I think you can pull it, it off. I was thinking about doing it for the show. That's why I put this on. And then, like, I was running late and I couldn't find my leather jacket and those cool sunglasses. But what, or your shotgun. Whatever. Yeah, I'm a shock. Well, yeah, I have that next to me as, as usual, but okay. everything else, no. Of course. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, Travis is working, but you have time off. It's a weird world. It really is a wild, strange world. I, I I have a different kind of teaching job, but I'm I'm grateful for it. I'm happy to be still teaching even here in the heart of July. All right. Well, kind of buy it. Uh, I like, I like getting name. paid. I like having a paycheck. Oh, yeah. That okay. Well, that's very truthful. Money matters because people depend. Well, animals depend on you to survive, and you depend on yourself to survive as well. So, this is a true statement. I depend on myself to survive. Mm-hmm. Any See, other, I knew uh, it. I fucking knew <laughs> it. Any other words of wisdom for us today, Michael? <laughs> uh, never, always open your shower curtain after you're done showering. Never leave it closed, okay? Because that's oh, all yeah. the mold and yeah, everything. You're you're right. You got to really? close it right away. Oh, yeah. yeah also, keep, let it breathe. Um, 
on that note, used pizza boxes are not recyclable. Everybody should know this. Oh, yeah. I yeah. heard that. Really? Yeah, if we're dropping info. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Shit. If I ever have a viral tweet, I'm going to let the world know. Don't recycle. You You can't recycle used pizza boxes. And also the, the automatic air dryers and bathrooms are just poop conveyors. It's just poop particles. You just spray them all over your hands. Sorry to be Oh, dry. I don't use those. Yeah, those things disgusting. Are, they should be outlawed. I drive. I'd shake my hand. Oh, yeah. If, I'll do that they leave all day me long. Meyer, Meyer doesn't use. They, they All they have is hand dryers in the Myers I'm in Oof. anymore. So I don't use them. Yeah, yeah, it's paper towel or shake. I'm not doing do you it. Use the, do you use like that rag that's connected to the thing? <laughs> the, I would rather use the bar rag, the the, the old school pub like pull the down chamois? bar rag. Well, you get like yeah. Well, you just yeah, you just, like, you just use the like, sides because your assumption is that maybe no one else has used the sides. What is that? It's just a <laughs> so, gross roll of rag. Like who's <laughs> using that? It's a relic of a bygone era. That's what that yes. is. <laughs> Why would you do that? Yeah, that's uh, pretty gross. Those are those are actually some good advice there. Do not Great use those tips. things. Yeah. yeah, seriously. You'll stay alive another five extra years, and it's worth it. Because today, <laughs> life has never been better. I'll tell you that much. And we're doing Killing Them Softly. Does it hold up? That'll be our main event, the focus of the show. Of course, Cinema 9 Pod at ProtonMail.com. I know uh, we don't like emails, but you know, we can't stop you legally. I don't think we have a... Has, have we checked with the legal department? For the record, we actually do want you to email us. We just uh, oh. we're trying we're trying reverse psychology. <laughs> oh well, shit. Uh, I wonder if uh, I wonder if Chad will send us an email when he you know it'd be cool if he send us an email from abroad. That ever friend happens. of the show, Chad, yeah. always welcome to email us. Yes, we would love that, Chad. So if you're ever thinking movies on your adventure, please make it happen. That'd be cool. That'd be so cool. We'd love to hear about that. Uh, but we have no new emails. We did have. Shout out to, oh, oh, we actually, okay, look, we did have an email, and oh. it was related to the logo. Friend of the show, Christian Hereminski, decided to update our logo. Uh, I kind of like it. I haven't applied it yet, but I think uh, I think we all agreed. We thought it was pretty cool, right? Let's give a huge shout out to, to Christian for hearing our, our call to arms last episode and 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 picking up that call and uh, create, creating a new logo for us, which I agree is uh, it's pretty awesome. Thanks, buddy. Beautiful. Yeah. That was really cool of you to do that. He didn't have to. See, he went out of his way, and that's uh, that's pretty special. That's uh, Christian. You know, sometimes he's they say you. he's tough as nails, but he's a sweet man. Uh, he says, "Gents, had I known a logo of sorts was wanted, I would have done this ages ago. I was going to try and workshop this with Eric. He's the hardest sell. Yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> a hard but man, he, to please. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't respond to my text, so I just went ahead without any prompts." which is fantastic. His original idea was to make a marquee font and use it above an actual marquee, but it was too busy and distracted from the name as a logo. I also tried this as a vector-like simpleton font, which you guys know all about. Everyone knows about that. And I don't think it had the pop. It didn't have the pop that something more lifelike has. Gotta have After that pop. You gotta have that pop. After sifting around random podcast cover art, this will stand out, in my opinion. I went for a vintage film strip look and layered a bunch of different things to get there. Again, Going for that lifelike look instead of a polished cartoonish one. <laughs> I unlit some bulbs in the lettering. That's always fun, too. I like that. It turned out looking way too gritty. So he kept it simple. They're all lit. It's vintage. And the vintage use just kind of played out, I guess. So it's not vintage. I just lied. Anyways, we really appreciate it. Anyway, enough about the process. Hopefully, it's something that could be considered. I know I'm no Paul Freeling graphics whiz boy. Most people won't know what that means, uh, but I like to have a reason to mess around on Photoshop now and again. Keep my few chops up. Let me know how 
how you all feel about it, whether it goes in the trash or not. Best shin. Be aware that if you email us, we will read it in its entirety. There is no privacy on this show. Uh, I did skip one paragraph because <laughs> we kind of got the gist on how he was making it. So I will tell you that. Uh, we do appreciate it. Yeah, and we're definitely going to run with it. Thank you, Christian. So new and improved. What's that? Like, remember that logo or that bar where we killed that hooker? It's kind of like that, but not. We'll read it. Everything. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad that uh, somebody stepped up like that because you know we weren't going to do it. Well, it seems I don't really have the skills. I admit Same. that freely. So I don't have yeah. the skills of the software. I tried. Yeah, that yeah. ridiculous. That software does matter. That's true. Thank you, Christian. Appreciate it. All right, there it is. So let's on that note. The Nine Pod, five-star reviews, too. Those are always helpful to the show. We would love that. Apple Podcasts is the only place still that does ratings, and until somebody comes up with a better system, we're stuck with Apple Podcasts, five-star review, but that does help the show. So think about doing that, and that's not a joke. That's a genuine offer, a genuine plea. Please. All right, quarantine viewing picks. Travis Roy. Did you take it to a new level this week? You actually had two extra days, too, so. I had I had two extra days, but uh, I didn't go too crazy. Um, I watched a lot of newer movies over the, over the last week. I, I wrote a positive review for Werewolves Within, new film with uh, Sam Richardson starring, which I like him a lot. On our, I wrote that review for our Instagram, which is always, I suggest you check that out. Uh, did either of you guys check out The Tomorrow War, the new Chris Pat, Pratt big sci-fi extravaganza? Couldn't care less. Anytime I see like a star that's like got ripped for the role, and he's got like a gun and like I, I just don't like extraction and like I, I just don't I can't care. But how was it? It's a good creature feature. Like there's there's oh, really monsters? good. I thought yeah. it was like if, if like, they sold it like that, they probably would have like, sold it better. No, it's yeah, it's an alien invasion monster. movie, and it's, it's an alien invasion movie. And the aliens, the special effects are fucking awesome. Plot holes galore. Wow. Throw logic out the window. It's a tick too long. Uh, a little a little overdone in terms of emotional like reaching but if you just want like a dumb fucking like good science fiction um you know special effects extravaganza you could do worse uh and you and chances are you've got amazon prime so why not um along the same lines i watched fear street one and fear street two for for netflix uh, these were interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to the third one. Very much homages to um, the eras and the and like older films. Um, very much like a tween movie geared towards people in their 40s. It's very strange. Like it's like the attitude of like the feel of these movies are like they're like for kids, but you're watching people's get, faces getting like pfft, split open. So uh, decent, decent. Um, Eric, you recommended Let Him Go, right? I did. Yeah, I, I really liked Let Him Go. It was a which, solid thriller. Yeah, written and directed by the guy that did uh, The Family Stone, which had I known that going in, I would not have watched it, but wow. it was it was okay. Uh generic title, but a decent film. Um, well, I mean, like the movie's about like a kid's a kid who's being held, so they let's call it Let Him Go. <laughs> Someone's holding the Not kid. even exclamation points. Let him go. <laughs> I mean, he's our son, and you're trying to murder him. Uh, speaking of generic um, film titles, I think I got one for you, Mike, unless you've already seen it. Have you ever seen And So It Goes? Uh, oh, like, what is it with Diane uh, Diane Keaton having all the movies where they're just like the most forgettable fucking generic titles? I don't know what that is. This is written by uh, the co-writer of, of as, uh, as Good As It Gets, I think his name's Mark yeah. Andrus. I want to say it stars so. her and Michael Keat. I'm sorry, Michael Douglas 
and uh you know what it's and it's re- directed by rob Do- rob reiner which you know oh. it, it came out in 2014 you know like 10 years 15 years before that what a huge movie it would be with that cast and director and, and writer and everything you know but uh instead i had not heard a thing about it it's exactly yeah. what it's exactly what you would expect if you want if you like if you like Michael Douglas, if you like Diane Keaton and you like Rob <laughs> Liner, you're not going to be surprised, but it's going to make for like, uh, you know, just a good, it was a good Sunday afternoon watch. And I promise there are excessive uh, Diane Keaton crying scenes that make it worth it because fans of the show know how much me and Mike love her brilliant sobbing, which is uh, she does like no one else. The, the Keaton whales. <laughs> Dude, it looks just like a remake of Something's Gotta Give from the cover. <laughs> She's got the same white shirt on, glasses, and hairstyle. I started it being like, I have no idea if I've watched this before or not. I think I have, and I had not. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to watch this one for sure. I mean, you know, again, like, no surprises. It's very by Doesn't the matter. book. But it's, yeah, I'm, but I'm yeah, if, yeah, if you like these people, you're going to like this film. Um, I watched a new Black Widow movie, finally. That was very exciting. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm not going to have anything different to say than probably most folks, but you know, not the greatest of them, but I I certainly liked it. Uh, Eric, I believe you, you hated scary stories to tell in the dark. Am I right? Wow. I I did not like what they did with it. I did not care for the adaptation. I like the monsters in it. I thought were cool, but yeah, I don't understand what this story is. They should have just adapted it like an anthology of the original stories. I don't know what this fucking dumb tale of this girl that went missing. I I think that if I had known that that was your gripe with the movie, I would have watched it a lot sooner because I don't really care for anthology films. And I thought that the way that they pieced this together and made a whole narrative to like bring all the stories in with like this overarching narrative. through, I thought it was actually really clever and pretty well done. Um, oh. So I had a pretty different feeling about that film than you, which I thought was interesting. Did you guys watch No Sudden Move, the uh, the new Soderbergh offering? Uh- I'm three quarters. I'm like, I got. <laughs> oh my gosh! Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'll talk about it. I, well, we can talk about it now. I guess. Yeah, but, go ahead. Uh, what do you think so look, far? Okay, so I love Soderbergh. Right, my top five all-time favorite directors, probably. He's great. And it's, a, it's shot in Detroit. And it's shot. So. Not it's shot in my ex girlfriend's house, which is really fucking weird. Very yes! surreal. Very surreal. Yeah. Like under no other circumstances am I going to see where my ex girlfriend makes dinner for her kids. You know, so <laughs> <weird. Yeah. laughs> like, I'm never going to see the inside. But it's, it's like the whole time I'm watching the movie, obviously I'm just like, well, there's that room. Okay, that's a nice looking room. <laughs> Wow, yeah, there's several people like you. I've had conversations like, oh, yeah, that, that building early on, that white building when uh, Brendan Fraser pulls up. Oh, yeah, it's right across the street from Matt from Is It Safe's Pod. That's oh, like really? he he lives right across the street from that. He sees that shitty building every day. So that's funny. Uh, as he's quoted to say. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's Detroit shot, and that's fun. And um, I had just, I, I watched the movie, and I went back to the beginning like four times because I just... I couldn't follow it. It was really weird. And I, I'm not no. done with it. I have like 30 no. to 40 minutes left. And I've gotten to that point now after rewatching it like three times because I'm trying to oh figure out God. what's going on here. Who the fuck is the Frank? Tra- and like, tra- you know, Frank is really old. The trailer yeah, looks t- really drowsy to me. Like, I, I'm not that excited to see it. The trailer just made it look really. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. It's kind of a low key film. It is. Big like, time. Big time. It's a, it's a sleepy thriller. But yes. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I. I really hated the camera work, which was weird. Like, not like the camera work exactly, but I think he used a vintage camera 
So the whole time in the movie, if you look like everything on the edges of the of the screen is squished. You like look at this smart car in the in the in the edge of the screen, and then like the camera moves and it turns into a limousine because it's just like the fucking it's all squished. I don't know. Mm. So that that really drove me nuts. But other That's than that, I thought it was a I thought it was a I thought it was a good you know a, a kind of a return to form for Soderbergh. Uh, I felt like he's kind of had some misfires, in my opinion, of late. So I thought, I thought that was pretty good. Well, look, uh, last thing I'll say about it is uh, Luke. Luke also said that friend of the show. Friend, yeah, uh, guest host from time to time, fill in host, the Joan Rivers, Gary Shandling of the show. Uh, he said that the lens choices were bogus. That's so that's, that's obviously, what I'm saying. yeah, yeah, he's with you there. So, but I, I have to finish the last 35 to 40 minutes, but I was so intrigued enough that I kept starting it almost over to make sure I could figure out what the fuck was going on. So, a bit I of really a wanted to stay yeah. into it, bit of a convoluted plot, but it's kind of an unconventional noir. I mean, I thought it was cool. It is. They don't tell you shit. That's the thing. And maybe sometimes I just got to accept that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I, uh, sorry, but like, I'm sure like John, this John Hamm guy is like a really fun, nice guy. I can't oh get into boy. this guy as like a, in movies. Like he's not, he's, he's in boring? like, I like him fine, but he's only in like three or four scenes. I wouldn't let him deter you from the film. He's not a major character. At and all. he's flesh Very now nice. too. I'm like this, we got this guy is flesh. He's kind of bland. He's, I think he's way better in, drama than comedy personally i don't know why he took this comedic turn like he was hilarious in bridesmaids i thought it was pretty funny yeah but i liked it better when like i mean i thought like this was like with a chin like that this is a guy that should be in the mcu but instead he's just like bozoed his way into like nowheresville Oof, sorry john <laughs> i'm gonna get that clip i'm gonna cut that clip save that that's I do like a lot of his stuff, but I think that he's i think that he's made some poor choices i think i think he should have made some more choices like no sudden move well, he made a great choice with uh, doing the TV show. That started good. That's what I'm saying. Right. Maybe it's been all downhill since then. We'll never know until he's dead and we get to really define his career. Just can't wait for him to die. (laughs) (laughs) Bill O'Reilly says. Uh, So another movie I thought that I had seen that I'd never watched before. (laughs) Somehow I went my whole life without ever seeing Creepshow. I had never. I'd seen seen Creepshow 2. I'd seen wow. Creepshow 2 so many times growing up that I just, in my mind's eye, like I thought that I had seen it. Then I saw like a clip or two from it. I'm like, holy fuck, I've, I've never seen this. I need to I need to watch it. And it was, of course, it's brilliant. It's fantastic. So it's maybe the best direction I think Romero may have ever done. I think it looks fucking great. It was really good. Um, and then last but not least, the what I'm going to recommend the most is you guys ever see this movie or hear this movie from 76 called Burnt Offerings? No. It's another Oliver Reed picture. Uh, fucking great horror movie, a cult classic horror movie that like I had heard about in circles for a while. Um, just like uh, the idea of like you get this, it's kind of a slow burn, but you're like watching this family move into this house. It's not even like a haunted house. It's just like the house is just sucking the will, like sucking them dry. Like they're like the house itself is a vampire and like, but scarier than that, like it's just like, changes them like make them change like it changes their minds about i don't know it's i mean like as i'm saying it doesn't sound like the most original thing in the world but i promise it's it's a it's a good steady burn it, there's a reason why like i've heard about talked a lot on like other horror podcasts on that kind of stuff um and i think that there's a good reason why especially if you like oliver reed man like i i just anything that dude does i'm i'm, I'm there and this is prime stuff do you ever see Curse of the Werewolf? <laughs> Oliver Reed it's, is like one of the fucked up, most fucked up werewolves in history. It was his, it was his first movie, his first starring role, rather, and it's, uh, it's on my list. I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my short list. Mm. Right, that's, that's it. That that would be my main recommendation for the week: burnt offerings. Woo-hoo! 
<gasps> Yay! Eric Reisham, <laughs> tell us what you get. You know, I had never seen the uh, the Money Pit that Tom Hanks, Shelley yeah, Duvall film. Uh, like, uh, uh, I, it, it, it was horrible. <laughs> it, it sucked. It wasn't funny at all. Uh, not not uh, uh, not Shelley Duvall. Uh, Shelley Long. Shelley Long. Shelley Long. Yeah. Shelley Long. I'm sorry, dude, like, <laughs> you like this movie? I I, I grew up turned it off. Man. Like they don't even go to the house for like an hour in, and like the first like forty minutes is like this dumb convoluted plot about like his dad and like this dumb business partner. I'm sorry, I don't like this movie. It's not funny. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time, so I'll have to reconsider. But that definitely grew on. <laughs> no I, don't know about like I watched it yeah. like a year or two. Take it on. I watched a year or two ago, and I was I was perfectly happy with it. I could give you know, I took a look at Fear Street 2 because I remember reading the Goosebumps films and even a couple of the before I got too old, some of the Fear Street stuff. And uh, I got to tell you, man, I ended up having to turn it this first installment off. And it's because of that that tone. I was like, if you're going to go like I don't I couldn't put my finger. It was like very familiar. And it was like Mm -hmm. Netflix's blank check. The whole like let's do the 80s song. And let's have this act. It's it's like feels feels very Netflix. It was right? like a fucking product to me. I was like, this isn't scary. It's not that clever um, or original. I just, I don't know. Maybe I'll give the second and third one a chance. What like, is it? Is- uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but what is it about Netflix stuff that has like this net? I don't feel like Amazon yeah. Prime has its own feel or Hulu has its own feel. HBO Max, it's all random with this stuff. But Netflix, like there's just like this kind of bland, it's like, like, yeah, like it's, it's like all this- directed by the same fucking people or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's like this this sheen of product that's just glossed over everything, and they're yeah. overlit, and they just look like they're just churned out. Like, get this out there right now, so we can have this weekend. I don't know, man, but I wasn't feeling that. Uh, but I did watch more horror. I watched The Power. Uh, it's about it's a British horror movie from earlier this year about this nurse who uh, is in this ward, and there's all the spooky stuff going on, and like the, the they can't use the power because there's this outage in the seventies, but. They do this thing where like the power's out and that could be scary because there's no lights in the in the in the ward, but it's like 2021 digital photography, so you can just see everything completely clearly because the way they shoot movies nowadays. So you don't have a much of a, a scare there in that respect. And then I watched some Indonesian horror, The Queen of Black Magic on oh. Shutter. And that was that was actually pretty solid. After like an hour of a slow start, it starts get ramping up, and it's fucking creepy. So I'd never seen Indonesian horror before, and I dug it. Uh, yeah, so I can recommend that. You know, I watched the best of enemies, Mike. I think you were talking about this like a few months me? ago. Like, no, yeah, me. Sam Rock. Was it you, Travis? That was like, me. One of these like Wikipedia article movies, it's like <laughs> just okay. And like, you're a hard Taraji man, P- please. I Taraji P. Henson needs to check herself oh. into Overactors Anonymous because she wow. is like so Are you sure you like movies? ridiculous. Are you sure you don't <laughs> like any movies? Because this was trash to me. Like, Sam Rockwell is turning in the stellar performance, and this is blah yes. script. Yes, and this he is overacting by Taraji P. Henson. It's just mediocre paint by number biopic trash i'm sorry i can't recommend the film oh yeah after that though i watched a fucking awesome movie rampart uh with woody harrelson very good so fucking good mike you might really like this Uh, okay yeah crooked la cops mike get on this it's uh it's oh yeah this this is out of control uh it was the, yeah, Rampart, the dis- scandal. Rampart district and the scandal yeah. Steve, but Sammy Robin, right? And Good age. Movie. Fucking when did this awesome come out? Movie, when did it come out? 
He's 2011. But uh, Woody Harrelson might be his best performance. He's so fucking good. No one talks about this movie. You just did, though. You're not no one. You're someone. Thank you. But uh, that's my high recommendation (laughs) of the week. So, yeah, kind of a slow week, but uh, there you go. Shit, yeah, that's great, man. I'm gonna have to check that out for sure. I love that is kind it, of stuff. I, but I'll enjoy it. Was it a busy week? It's not. It's not a lot of movies for you. A lot, uh, yeah. It was very. I got guest in town. Oh, okay. Riker stopped by. We did a lot of hanging out, and right so, yeah, well, that's I wasn't good. able to see a lot. That's good. Yeah. Oh, what a day! Uh, well, what a lovely, hmm. lovely day. Well, uh. uh Podcasting. Uh, <laughs> podcasting. I watched some movies. I've been cutting it back, but I want to give a shout out to our pal, friend of the show, old Russell Withers. He's a good American. I think he's American citizen. I don't know for sure, but either way. Thanks, Russell. You've uh, helped me out. You offered me some opportunities to engage in film, but I have continued to minimize my watching. I'm not watching a ton of movies like I was. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a few in there when I can, you know, but I'm trying to prioritize other things, and, and I think that's good. I think I got a pretty good balance going on right now, so thanks. Thanks for the balance, you know? I wouldn't have it if I didn't think to have the balance, so you got to think of it first. Podcasting. <laughs> Podcasting the movie. <laughs> uh, did I tell you guys to watch Inside? <laughs> you mentioned it. Last week. <laughs> I actually watched it again. See uh, you entrepreneur born in 1964. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Eric, you watched it? He told us he watched it, didn't he? I watched it again because I wanted to show it to Ange. Ange was like, this isn't funny. She walked out. Of ah! I'm going to keep watching it. The fuck. Oh, <laughs> shit. Well, okay. okay. That'll happen. Uh, I watched The People versus Agent Orange. This is awful, but amazing. A documentary. Really good documentary. Fucking right. terrible. The, the oh, documentary so the subject matter is terrible, but the documentary was okay. Oh, it's amazing. It's okay. Amazing. It's, it's, orange, it's not really a good thing. Yeah, it turns, yeah. <laughs> turns out. But I think a lot of people. What do you think of? What do you think people think of when they think of Agent Orange? Vietnam. Exactly. World War One. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah Vietnam. But the problem is. Uh, America has absolutely been tainted by it in beautiful places. So Ooh. it really was like, oh, God, this is so awful. Uh, I really strongly recommend it because this is stuff you need to know about, and it's really well done. It kind of connects Vietnam with the story in Oregon and puts it all together. And I uh, I was really, uh, I was moved. And I was like, wow, this is very informative, too. So good stuff. Really good stuff. Uh, <laughs> I watched Kids. I hadn't seen oh, kids. Oh man, that's been on my short list for a deep dive. I've never seen kids. Ugh. Yeah, uh, I'll have to. I could direct you to. It's really hard to find. Uh, at least I, I heard it's a it hard watch. <laughs> I mean, I I liked it when I was a kid. I don't know that I could watch it now. Like like I think it'd be like Todd Salon's Happiness, where I'm like I'd Ugh, watch it and be like, how the fuck again. did I find any value in this? Never again. <laughs> well, that's the, no value. That's the whole point, right? Like Travis, yes, we. Used all we all it came out in '95. I had a teenagers. Casper T-shirt, even exactly. Yeah, I loved exactly. it. I don't know what it yeah. was like. <laughs> well, there was things that we were like, "God, that's awful and terrifying." But then we took the things that we thought were because f- we, there were laughs. You know, I have no legs. I have no legs. That was a laugh for us back then. We thought it was funny, but the guy truly had no legs. It's pretty awful. But he had a really beautiful song, so I can see it's a complicated, really interesting. But as an adult now, um, I think it's still pretty 
pretty and raw, and I like that. You know, it's a real commando shoot, in a sense. Harmony Korine script. Explains uh, a lot. Yeah, it does explain a lot. Uh, his stuff is major hit or miss, in my opinion. Take a pass. The All fucking for me. what was that guy? Like, what's that movie I tore I tore apart with Be- Matthew Beach McConaughey? Bum. A couple of years. The Beach. Yeah. Bum. Ah, a piece of I, shit. I saw someone recently post something saying that they thought it was the best movie they'd ever seen. Oh, <laughs> who are you? I want to know that person. <laughs> I uh, I went to their house and I was a firm talk with them about their opinion <laughs> on movies. <laughs> oh, I got to throw this that. out there. We, so Eric Allen, friend of the show, also, Eric, uh, thank you Hi, for Eric. giving me access to movies. I appreciate it as well. Also, Eric has never, Eric's never seen The Departed. I brought it up. He had never even heard of it. He's like, what? What is it? So I just thought it was funny that he ne- didn't even know what it was. Academy he said, Award winning feature. <laughs> I know. I, he said, because we were talking about Jack Nicholson and... He's like, and he brought up, like, you know, I never seen about Schmidt. That was really like his last celebrated movie. And like, uh, The Departed, I, th- I don't know whether he liked it or not. It was pretty celebrated. Yeah. That was funny. No offense, Eric. I love you, but it's pretty funny because we talk about that in the show. Movies, just like Eric said, you know, movies he never saw or Travis never saw Creep Show. It's just weird. So Some, sometimes they slip by you, but, you know, usually it's because you think that you've seen them before. It's a big, bigger movie. Like, I was surprised I hadn't heard of And So It Goes, but I probably had. But it just has the most forgettable title ever. Yeah, uh, I watch a good documentary about crypto, Bitcoin stuff called Cryptopia. Check it out. It's really good. If you don't know anything about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, it really fills you in and it moves quickly and it's it's entertaining, actually. But uh, it's definitely informative. It's called Cryptopia. Check that out. And then as far as Black Widow, man, you know, so I when I gave you guys my instant review last night, I'd only seen 20 minutes of the movie. So I finished it. And then I was like, I thought about it a lot. I had a lot of opinions and things came over me. This is a female-driven movie, so I'm rooting for it more than ever because they're first off, this should have happened a long time ago. I think everyone agrees about that, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was yeah. overdue. And in a way, it would have fit, it would have just fit better in phase one. I Now, we don't have all the details here of how all this phase is going to work out. So maybe, in a way, it'll look better once we get more information and pieces from other movies and stuff. But... Uh, it, some of the action was so fantastical and it bothers me because she's not a superhuman. She's a great spy. She's an international spy. She's one of the best. She does everything so well, but she can't fall down multiple flights. And hey, 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 big, no spoilers, man. Come on. That's a movie that barely came out. Let's stop. Well, right she there. can't get hurt like that. She can't take a beating. Okay. Like that. That's something that can't happen. I, w- I would argue, remember in Avengers when she is flying around New York City, uh, f- leaping from alien space sled to alien space sled. And and I fell exactly. in love with her then. Because one of the things, because I've always, I mean, like I what I love about Black Widow is that she's not superhuman, that she's just super brave and fearless and like, you know, athletic and bold and all that stuff so i i i hear your complaint and but i i also am like it's a fucking marvel movie she's a superhero whether she's super powered or not i'm gonna expect you know, fantastic things to happen i do think that there's some some big misses in the movie i think that there's some plot holes that are like bigger than average for uh a marvel movie where i'm like why the fuck are you why is this happening this doesn't make sense like there's a few things like that some jokes yeah. that really don't land um, but all told, I was I was happy with it overall. Dark. It was a pretty dark fucking Marvel movie, though. I think. Yeah, that was cool. I, I was actually yeah, I love that angle of it. Yeah, I love um, the. That's not a complaint. Yeah, and the fact that it's you know it's about like 
something different too. It's about different people, a different part of the world, uh, yeah. in a sense. It's, I guess, um, I just, I don't know. I get, I get hung up on the fact that I, I love that she's bold and brave and she'll go through anything. She's super courageous and they set the tone on that. I get it, but I guess I gotta just accept the fact that dumb shit's gonna happen physically that just completely out of the realm of possibility. I do know it's a Marvel movie too, but it, I don't know. They also, if, if you're gonna set levels of certain things, that is still fantastical, I get it, but you're still setting levels where I have expectations for a character's limitations. Every character does have special strengths and weaknesses. That's still part of the superhero world, right? So that's what bothers me too. And if you're self-referential about your own fuck-ups, is it actually give you a pass? I don't know. This movie does that a lot. I'm not, I won't say what it is, but it's constantly referencing the fact of at least two things, ongoing jokes in the movie. And I think, Travis, you probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, um, I certainly know one of them. I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I really love, I mean, like, if you like Black Widow as a character, like, like, and if, like, you just said you think this movie should have come out a long time ago, at the very least, like, I think that it's fun to get some behind the scenes kind of like, what does she do on her time off kind of stuff? Like, I could, I could, you know, I could just sit here, I could watch a movie just about her relaxing, basically, to be honest. What does, what does Black Widow do when she's not at work? Like, there's a little bit of that kind of stuff in there, and I'm totally there for it. Like, I, you know, I'm, I want to see what's between the lines with these characters whenever I can. Um, and, and there's a good amount of like origin story as well. Yeah. So, all told, I would put it in the middle of the Marvel movies. It wasn't like an like an obvious one, like Ragnarok or Guardians, where I was like, "This is top top tier." Walking out of it, but uh, I still liked it very much. All right, that's fair. I'll give you that. Uh, I'll leave it there for now. I'm, I'll let it stew for a while and see where I come out down the road here. Uh, I watched the breakup. I didn't see the breakup really since it came out, and I remember being annoyed by the breakup. Like, God, this movie is unbearable. But I actually uh, kind of liked it more this time. I saw it's a really good example of a breakup gone wrong. And really, it doesn't yeah. work out either. So I like it even more. I should appreciate the fact that they stood tall on that. Even though they brought the end scene in, I think, because test audiences got super pissed. It's a bit of a who knows what will happen. But uh, I think it's a better movie than I realized. Yeah, I think it, I think it didn't get enough credit this time. Yeah, it's by Peyton like Reed, too. About so. it. I, think, I think we've talked about it a few times, how much we... We thought it didn't get that much respect. I think it's laugh out loud funny in some places. Great script. Yeah, you're, oh, you're Chicago a- biased, dude. <laughs> this yeah, is at least the second Chicago time. <laughs> Jason Bateman's uh, funny in it, dude. He's like trying to stay fucking neutral. He's just like, ah, oh, this is fucking hell to deal with this fucking couple. He does. He's in very few scenes, and he definitely nails it. There's no doubt about it. I'll give you that. Uh, I guess that's it for now. I had some movies that I did watch, but I think I might try to make them run at it, bring them to the show. So I don't want to mention them. Oh, all right, that's fun. Yeah, really excited about a couple of those. So after Travis brings, Travis inspired me with this selection. So um, I'm gonna try harder. I aim to inspire. <laughs> you do. I, you're an inspirational human being, uh, inspirational character, but you are a real person too. So you're not just a character you're playing a real society. Right. podcasting <laughs> I, love this. I gotta get that i'm gonna make sure that comes a drop uh all right yeah cinema night podcast those are our uh viewing choices we hope that you select them and if you don't then you don't have to select them that's how the beauty of uh, the whole thing works eric branstrom michael govier travis roy cinema nine podcast cinema nine pod at protonmail.com cinema nine pod on all your favorite 
social media platforms, particularly Instagram. There's a Facebook page. There's a Twitter handle. We got it all. There's nothing we don't cover. We're here for you. Five-star review on Apple Podcasts would make our day. I'll do something special for you if you... If you decide to give us a five-star review, I'll go out of my way to make an effort for your life in some manner, as long as it's reasonable and I can accommodate you, of course. Uh, nothing financial, preferably. <laughs> Having said that... Feel better? No. There's only 30 in there. Three guys. Yeah, I had to ask them if I should pay for the kid, but they, you know, they said I should. So. They were right, too. That's only 10 apiece. Correct. The price is 15. Dylan charges 10. Recession prices, because they told me to tell you that, too. They made a deal with Mickey for 15. Yeah, yeah, but the way they got it, uh, Mickey got in a fight with a whore, the dumb shit, and now they got him in a can, and you're filling in for Dylan, and you get what Dylan gets. No more. You talk to Dylan. Uh, take it up with him. Dylan's dead. Dylan died this morning. Sorry to hear that. Sure, sure they are. It's gonna cost them more. You know this business is a business of relationships. Yeah, and everyone loved Marky. You are a cynical bastard, you know that? To reclaim the American dream and reaffirm that fundamental truth that out of many, we are one. You hear that line? Line's for you. Don't make me laugh. For one people. It's a myth created by Thomas Jefferson. Oh, now you're gonna have a go at Jefferson, huh? My friend, Jefferson's an American saint because he wrote the words, all men are created equal. Words he clearly didn't believe since he allowed his own children to live in slavery. He was a rich wine snob who was sick of paying taxes to the Brits. So yeah, he wrote some lovely words and aroused the rabble and they went out and died for those words while he sat back and drank his wine and fucked his slave girl. This guy wants to tell me we're living in a community don't make me laugh. I'm living in America. And in America, you're on your own. America's not a country. It's just a business. Now fucking pay me. Let's get into it. It's time, or does it hold up? 2012's Killing Them Softly, an Andrew Dominic film that is dominated by performances from Brad Pitt, James Gandolfini, Ben Mendelsohn's in the house. We got all kinds of fun people in this. Richard Jenkins. I mean, what a Ray Liotta. Holy cow. We got all kinds of people in this movie. It's a star-studded cast in a sense, yeah. although a low-key, kind of a low-key cast, but still a very well-casted cast. Uh, Travis, you chose this movie. Mm-hmm. Give us a, give us your take. Take us back in time. Give it, set the table for us. Well, again, since it, this is from 2012, I actually do recall seeing it in theaters. I remember I, I went and saw it uh, with my girlfriend at the time and I was living in West Virginia. And, uh, you know, it was I, I went. I mean, I'm a huge fan. As I mentioned in the last episode, I'm a huge fan of uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. So that Dominic and Pitt had reteamed. I was I was there. I mean, I was there like, I mean, if not opening night, pretty close. And. It wasn't quite what I was expecting. And, uh, you know, it's, I feel like it, you know, I was like, well, that was, 
it was a lot that was different. Like that was just it's hard to put my finger on it, but I felt like it was different. And I I, I made the purchase actually uh directly after when it you know when it came out on Blu-ray and uh and watched it, you know, for a couple years it was on regular rotation, but then it had been a while. Uh and so I thought, why not? Oh, hey, oh, hey. It had it had done yeah what you said and um, it uh, I figured why not bring it on the show you know I was thinking about watching it on my own time anyways but I'm like yeah we'll do it with the boys so here we are wow amazing well well done sir Eric <laughs> Branstrom I know Eric Branstrom you talked about the assassination of Jesse James exhaustively uh, for a yeah, period of time there in my life life. life where I associated you with the movie comp- entirely. Uh, Life affirming. You know what? I, I love this. So you like much. that movie? Yeah, no kidding. And I love I honestly, Chopper too. I mean, I honestly uh, didn't pick. I, I honestly picked this instead of that because I was like, I'm not going to have my favorite movie torn apart on the show. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> you must have missed like, that. Co- yeah, you must have missed that era. It's yeah. It's I, one of my. It's one of my favorites. It's like probably yeah. on my top ten of all time list. Same, yeah, I talk about all the time. But like, well, we know what we Chopper feel about too. It. Like, I love Andrew Dominic. I love the work he does with Nick Cave. So. I was so excited. I saw this in theater in, in Okemos uh, on opening night. And Travis, I mean, I, I kind of mirror you. I walked out like that like that was it. Like I was satisfied, but I was like, that 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 was it. It just felt so brisk and straying and undercooked or something. I couldn't put my finger on it. But Ew. yeah, that, I, I did end up returning to it a, a couple more times after that. But it's it's been about, you know, six, seven years after that. Cool. Oh, I'll tell you what, I definitely saw this in the theater. I remember seeing it. That was the day. It was a Saturday. It was an early Saturday. It was like a noon on a Saturday. Uh, I was teaching at the time, so I headed out over there from Ferndale, where I lived in Ferndale, to the Royal Oak Imagine right there on Main Street, which is uh, right next to the sadly closed closing Main Art Theater, which is a, a, a tragedy that we should acknowledge. It's a great. That was a great little theater. But anyways... I remember sitting way in the back there, but in the center, you know, but pretty far back, not as back as I would usually be, but I really get, was in the far back there, but straight on, you know, right your down the middle. Your fucking memory, man. What'd you have for breakfast? Yeah. What color I was didn't your breakfast. shirt? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what, I don't remember what happened for breakfast, but I, I told you last week that I had a specific memory of that move. This some reason. I don't know why things lock in and why they don't. It's a, it's a mystery. It's very strange, <laughs> it's a but it really is. But I remember having the exact same feeling you guys had. Well, I will tell you, I did have popcorn for sure and a large soda. For breakfast? I definitely had that. But that's up. Well, yeah, of course, yeah, it was weird because then I had it at the movie theater too. It's like, why are you doing this again? You just Doubling did this. Uh, I remember being really excited. I was like, wow, look at this cast. Look at all these people. And I didn't love Jesse James like you guys did. I thought it was... It was a bit drab at times, uh, but it was. I, I recognize that it was a achievement in film. I do understand that, and I did understand that. But uh, I thought this was going to be really good, and I had the same feeling. Like, oh, it's over. Uh, <laughs> was there another twenty minutes that I missed or something? I didn't go to the bathroom. It was strange. It was a very, very strange feeling. But I remember, yeah, I want more. I want more. Wait, hey, what about this Dylan character? Is he involved? Uh, you know, weird. So at any rate, yeah, I remember that feeling. Having said that, I have no idea what the IMDb score is. Anybody want to take a guess on this one? I think this is a mystery. Or maybe it's not. I, I'm gonna guess it's pretty well regarded. I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess 7.0. That's a good guess. I'll say That's maybe six point, six point seven to undercut a little bit. 
Yeah, I think it's under seven, too, just because of everything we just described and people who never saw. If people just showed up to see it, like, what the fuck is this? You might have thought, like, it's even worse. I'm going to say it's 6.5. So, actual retail price, 6.2. Ouch. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's, uh, yeah, that's again, 136,000 ratings. So, that's decent for. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's a lot of rating. That's a, that's a reflection of how people feel then. It's an unconventional film. And that's one of the first notes I made. And I don't know what exactly it is, but it moves along in a really brisk clip. And it's only an hour and a half long. True. And, uh, I can see I can see where some people could you know have an issue with it, but uh, I'm ready to talk about it. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. How did so? How did the Rotten Tomato scores go? What do you guys think? Uh, if that's what IMDb was. I'm gonna say the audience is about split. I'm gonna say the audience is at like fifty. I'm gonna say that that uh, I'm gonna say that uh, the critics probably liked it. The critics are probably in the seventies or eighties. That's my guess. That's pretty good. 44 from the, the audience. audience. <laughs> yeah. okay. 70, 74 from the critics. This is, I think this might be the biggest gap. One, one of the. Well, when you go to, uh, when your average Joe goes to the movie theater, sees Brad Pitt with a shotgun. It's like, this is a fucking crime movie, Brad Pitt. And he doesn't show up for an hour into a 97 minute movie. 20, Probably minutes. not going to get your. <laughs> That's a big stretch. Yeah, that was a big stretch. Yeah. <laughs> But no, you're uh, right. He's not in the entire first act, which is, I mean, like he doesn't come until the second act. And if you're expecting like a heist movie and then you get in the, the, the heist is a kind of underwhelming heist. I mean, like intentionally. So in a lot of ways, I mean, it's not like they're, you know, it's not, it's not heat, right? It's uh, the whole movie is, I mean, like the movie, the movie in a lot of ways is about um, incompetence, I think is one of the main themes of this film. That is a really good point. Yeah, it's like, how are all these? Yeah, okay. I'd like to talk about that more in a second. But, uh, you know, we got reviews here, and we got... So, Destin Thompson actually responded to us. Oh, yeah, Destin wrote us back. He said, thanks for being a fan, basically. Thanks for thanking us, being a thanking fan. Destin, I I can't talk. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the note. He really enjoyed it. So, that that was really cool. Thanks, Destin Thompson. I don't know if you hear this, but we do appreciate it. And that means more to us than we could really ever... uh, ever say you're a hero and inspiration to us and we thank you for that <laughs> i actually took a, a screenshot of his message and got it tattooed on my ass i'm very excited i didn't know, see that's what i'm talking about i didn't even know that that's next <laughs> level new news yeah breaking news uh richard roper said killing them softly collapses under the crushing weight of the director's narcissism boom wow Ouch. that is yeah. an unkind review that's I didn't know he was such a narcissist. Andrew Dominic, have you guys heard this? I don't know, but do 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 critical reviews often include clinical diagnoses? <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that is a whole another show. I'd kind of like to dive into that show, frankly. That could be fun. Uh, Lisa Kennedy of the Denver Post said, ultimately, as crafted as Killing Them Softly is, uh-oh, it's less satisfying than either The Sopranos or Goodfellas. Whoa. Still, <laughs> wow. Still. That, that's, okay. It says a lot. Yeah, still Dominic and his cast cruise some very mean streets indeed. Three out of four stars. So she, that's a high praise. I mean, was anybody thinking on that level with this movie or at least coming into it? I don't know. Maybe people were. Expecting something like The Sopranos, you mean? Or Goodfellas? I mean, that's like, I think that they the were. There. I think that they were. They saw James Gandolfini and, the, and oh. uh, Ray Liotta in a mob movie and went, oh, this is going to be great. 
and it is great i think but like you know but uh they clearly were expecting like all right well we have more to talk about okay that's fine uh yeah there's a ton of reviews here this is a like 13 pages of it we won't cover them all but uh no. Uh, I'm looking for Destin Thompson. You know, that's what we're always doing here. We're searching for Destin. That's uh, yeah. like our side quest on this show. We're, we're starting a side podcast, actually. Oh, cool. That's fantastic. <laughs> Peter Travers of Rolling Stone says, the acting is aces, especially Pitt. Mixing it up with superb Gandolfini as an assassin losing his game to hooch and hookers. They make this movie a potently <laughs> nasty provocation. All right. Potently nasty provocation. Is that on anyone else's mind? I didn't didn't write that down. This, <laughs> this I think this was right before Ebert died. Well, maybe a couple years. Uh, Ebert's still alive, though. It seems as if I've been seeing versions of this story since forever. He included the raspberry? No, but it's two out of four stars. So I wanted to make sure people understood that that was a bad review. But usually he's so much more eloquent. But he was his life got tougher as he got older. So I hear that. Happen. Anyways. Uh, most of these critics like this. I mean, there's a billion red, red tomatoes up and down these pages. So it's, it's a lot of positive reviews, but this movie shot for the moon, maybe. And then people thought that was what was really, there's the last one. This is from Ann Hornaday, the Washington Post. I like her a lot, by the way. Possess, we should read her more often on the show. Possesses a a modicum of swagger and style, even as it perpetuates some of the crime genre's more tedious cliches. From slow motion savagery to facile cynicism. I think that sounds kind of fair. Uh, I mean, mostly I think people were a little disappointed with how talky the film is. I mean, this would mm-hmm. make a great stage play, in my opinion. And Ooh. it's it's because of that script and that dialogue that makes that I, I enjoyed I ended up, you know, I'll talk more about whether or not I loved it or not but i ended up enjoying it at least more than i did on those first few times because of these beautiful speeches that really get you into these characters and what it does is it deglamorizes every criminal element that we've come to see in movies like goodfellas or uh Mm -hmm. the godfather it's like every one of these so-called masculine figures uh, are completely stripped away from any machismo or glamorization that Hollywood has given them down to the, down to each character. I think that's a great point. Hell yeah, dude. That is the point of the show. I think, I think I we should a, call it that. <laughs> I have another uh, insight too. I think that a lot of people may have disliked about the movie, uh, which is something that I originally disliked about the movie as well, which was not Gandolfini's performance. Cause his performance is outstanding. I never had a problem with his performance, but I hated the character. I was really disappointed in the character ah! the first time I, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah. And and um, so I think that a lot of people were like, yeah, like had a problem with that. Right. Yes. 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 <laughs> I remember being in the theater like, God, this is fucking torture. This is torture. Yeah. This is hell. This guy's not fun. He doesn't want to do the job. How are you not clearly yeah. seeing that this guy's toast? I know you seem to like him a lot and you have thought highly of him as, you know, a contract killer and somebody to get the job done for you, but he's over and he doesn't even care anymore. And maybe you feel bad in a sense because he doesn't feel anything <laughs> right. for himself anymore. I can understand that, but you got to you gotta get the hell out of there. And if you were expecting him to do anything, then you're a fucking moron. And one of the things that I really liked about the character and one of the things I like about the movie is the constant 
intoning political speeches that are being picked up from TVs and radios that are around and stuff. Um, And when Gandolfini's character, Mickey, is introduced, like George Bush is uh, in the background talking about competence and how competence is going to save us from our current dire situation. And like, and that's what, and that's what, you know, that's what Jackie, Brad Pitt's character, that's what Jackie needs Mickey for. Like, I need your competence. And he's, he's not, he's lost it. Heavy handed the hut. That's what that is. <laughs> a little heavy. You mean you mean all the political speeches, or that one particularly? Yeah, like it's not subtle, right? But it's consistent too. So maybe he's not trying to be subtle with it, but it's he's not I mean, the movie. Look, I mean, the movie starts with like a, a, a unsettled back and forth, jarring speech, like cutting in and out speech from Obama, and then one of the first shots is like these giant looming billboards of McCain and Obama, like yeah. these indifferent figures looming over like this wasteland. I don't think the movie's trying to be subtle about its political argument. Literally, the news is everywhere around you because it's flying everywhere in the guise of these newspapers. <laughs> Here's I a, yep. Yeah, I, I have a question right off the bat. Is there another movie that deals with the 2008 financial crisis? Hardly at all. I mean, I was trying to think of ones that did, and like the big short. Which There's was one for sure I can think of right off the top of my head. And 99 Homes were the only two I could really think of. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, up in the Air came out in 2009. It was okay. absolutely about that. So that, okay. was, so that was very timely, and uh, right. that's the wow. one I think of. Yeah, I, I, I would, I'd like to see that again then because I'm, I'd like more stuff directly from that era. Like I was thinking Fun and fun with Dick and Jane, but that was 2005. It was a remake, <laughs> yeah. but it does deal with like Enron and a lot of that kind of stuff. But I think that as far as movies, again, I got to rewatch Up in the Air. But uh, as do. far as movies so about uh, about this era, uh, I think that this is a real like this is it. Like, there's not many others. Like, if, if yeah. whether like it, love it, hate it, however you feel about the movie, if you want to like get a kind of a reflection, I think of like post Katrina, uh, early in the and then early in the crisis of 2008, then you'd have to look at this movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so true. And like a lot of people that, that rag on this for putting this these televisions and these speeches and we've, we've got criminals listening to NPR before a hit. Come on, who, what criminals doing that? But he, he does it on purpose to what I like about it is it, it actually mirrors the, the the story in a lot of ways. We have this we have this card game. The, the plot is this card game that gets knocked off. Confidence is destroyed, but we have to keep the money coming in. So what do we do? We we kill Ray Liotta and the game can continue. So we're doing this shitty thing in order to keep the economy of this card game satiated. And it's the same thing with the bailouts and the banking system. And it took me a few uh, watches to really let that set in that it's basically yeah. the same tale told within the guise of this criminal underworld. I think it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's a it's all metaphorical. And like, I'm not always sure what I understand, like if I understand the metaphors that are being made. But I think that like the first time the car game gets knocked over, I think that Marky Ray Liotta's character, I mean, is that maybe supposed to be like the 1929 economic collapse? They call it econo- total economic collapse when that game goes under. Maybe it's supposed to be, I'm not, not exactly sure, but like it's definitely like a sign of like, this has happened before, right. <laughs> the, the to- and then and then again, like like you say, like the 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 criminal economy in the movie is supposed to re- you know it's reflecting the the actual economy at the time, <laughs> which is where thieves have come in and fucking destroyed it. They robbed. Yep. It. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, <laughs> it's, I remember this being the first time I really saw Ben Mendelsohn, at least for me. For me, I was like, Who the, yeah. who's, 
Who's this gross fucking guy, gross? though? That's how I remember it. reacting to it, because he's so gross. He's a heroin addict, oh and God, he's yeah. gross, and he takes care of these dogs that he seems to really uh, care about, but he doesn't care about himself in the least. Back up. He cares about what now? The dogs? Are you fucking yeah, high right now? Are you serious? Early on? No, he doesn't. Does. He's he's the lowest of the low because he's a dog napper. One, and he throws them. Yeah. He, he's not even. It doesn't show him feeding them or taking them out. They're shitting and pissing all over each other in a herd because he's holding mm. them for ransom yeah. or to sell them uh, uh, outright. He does not care like, about these uh, dogs at all. He is a currency. <laughs> I'm a I'm a dog lover, and I know you. Obviously, you are. I feel like uh, he had a little bit of a. He had a little bit of a feel more than he had it for himself. I really do, I but that's not saying much. That might not be saying much, in my opinion. Like I, I, I love Ben Mendelsohn, but like this character is despicable. That's the thing. I mean, these two characters, Scoot McNerney and Ben Mendelsohn, I think they devote a little too much time to them in that beginning. Some of these speeches they're giving about, you know, the prison town. I think you could have given keep that, but in the movie this short. Why not cut to Jack something that Jackie might be doing or some of the other characters? They spend a little too much time on that. I get it, guess it enhances the plot. I, I, I kind of I get your point, but like Mike was saying, this was this was a movie that really introduced me to Ben Mendelsohn as well. As also a place between the pines or beyond the pines, which we've talked about on the right. show before. Which I hadn't seen yet. Same, so yeah, yeah, I saw them both the same year. I saw this first, and yeah. um, and this definitely made me sit up and notice between this and then that and then uh, what was that blood. That show that he did, Bloodline, Bloodline yeah, Bloodline. Uh, the, the first season, oh, the anyways. First season. Great. Um, yep. So between with all that, like, yeah. So maybe whether it was needed or not, it made me sit up and notice Ben Ben Mendelsohn, which I hadn't done before. And also, I think that the um, the nodding out scene here, um, which is a little later in the film, when uh, when when Russell Mendelsohn's character is filling, was it Frankie? I think uh, uh, Jack uh, or Scoop McNary's character in on like how he fucking ratted them out completely how he told on themselves uh mm -hmm. that's a really maybe one of the best examples in film i think i've ever seen i've never been on heroin i don't plan to ever be on heroin but i think it's one of the best examples in film i think i've seen of someone being fucked up because like you feel it as you're watching it you're like he's fading in and out and coming in and out of consciousness and like focusing then like unfocusing like the light and everything it's all like i think that's so well done yeah, that is pretty well done. I would say that's uh, spot on. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you this. Uh, I I kind of like those guys. Like I remember being annoyed by it too, Eric. I know the feeling you're saying. Like I was spending too much time with Scooter, you know, Bozo McNary and Benelson and. Um, well, it's kind of Scoot McNary's story if you look at the through line of the entire movie. But I think yeah. they give. I think they press too much on the the same point and maybe like few too many scenes but i actually think he's kind of a competent guy but he's again this is a guy who surrounds himself with incompetent people as well like he that's his downfall as well Frankie, i would like to, yeah saying. okay yeah i would like to see more i'd like to see more richard jenkins like who is this guy is this, is this guy like a he's a millionaire or something like yeah. I, I get the feeling that he's actually not involved in any of the the crime business, but he's aware of it, but he just loves this card game. I don't know. It's really weird. Like he could be a doctor for all we know. I love wondering what this guy's character is and what his life's like beyond these conversations he has in the car with Brad. And we, we never get a name for him in, in the, nope. in the credits he's referred to as driver, but in the movie at one point, um, Brad Pitt, Jack, uh, Jackie refers to him as councilman. Yeah. Um, Yes, and and, and and I think that that's I don't think he's literally a councilman. I think it's supposed to be like 
because he had, when he like he's a representing like the the heads of the families right he says it's it's, it's ruled by committee it's co complete corporate mentality right like everything like there's everybody's like no no one can make a decision um so so i really get the feeling that he's like this middleman like he's middle management basically yeah. and 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 he's definitely not a millionaire and, and neither are the bosses because at one point Jackie asked for 500, maybe a thousand bucks for something. I forget. And, and, and Rick, there's a jiggy goes, Jesus, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to run that by the guy. Like he's gotta get that approved. He's gotta get $500 yeah. approved. Yeah. Like, like these guys, like these guys are, they're like, they're, they're, they're for all their strength. They're all so weak. Yeah. I love point. that. Like, like one of the things I was wondering just about like that character and then this whole, what you know, I, I had to actually look up and be like, is this the Boston Mafia? They don't really get too much into any intricacies of like the Boston mob at all. I think it's that not could in Boston. Be, is it not? It's it's all shot and takes place at despite the fucking lack of accents, it's all shot and takes place in New Orleans. You know what? I I, I didn't even get a hint of that. Maybe I'm I know. off my rocker, but I so you got George Higgins who writes two other novels within like this same uh, universe or whatever. And I, I'm pretty sure because of my research I did on those, I think those are Boston crime films. So I'm like, why don't you take some elements of those books to beef up this script and make it a little more interesting. So we have a, a concept of this scheme because you got Sam Shepard blowing in as this supposed head honcho for like five seconds and you never return to him. Like Dylan. He, but he establishes himself like a motherfucker as a force to be reckoned with. Uh, he's scary. He's memorable in that one scene he's in. And I'm and I'm thinking that Sam Shepard probably Ooh, wasn't that long for the world uh, when that was filmed. And maybe he was supposed to be in it more. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised, Eric. You you, you you were the king of saying like there's too much bloat. There's too much bloat. I thought you would love the uh, the sleek running time on this film. That, that, that's, that's so yeah. weird because this is the probably a great instance of where I just wanted more and more. And give me a deleted scene, just put it back in. Anything else? Yeah, but I'm just wow. I'm so perplexed. I don't get. I did not know this was New Orleans. What the fuck is what with me? I know. I, I didn't recall that either. And, and why look, didn't they take advantage of that? If this is post Katrina, I don't, I don't remember I've, them I've, seeing. I've puzzled about this one since I watched it. I only knew it takes place in New Orleans because I remember like I read about it in a review before I saw it. So like going in, I'm like, okay, this is shot in New Orleans. And like, and I double checked a couple nights ago and like, yeah, it's all shot in New Orleans. It's on location. These are supposed to be like, where are the fucking accents? I don't know. Like, I don't, they don't need to have like a stereotypical, like, they don't need to sound like Gambit, but I mean, like, I they need to. Have I think there's a lot, something. yeah. There's a lot of transplants. That, I know I could yeah. buy that too, like, especially with crime uh yeah what, whatever I'll, I'll, it's not the biggest issue well, for me but transplants and, and accents i really like that they let ben mendelson have his australian accent they should do that more in film like you don't need to have everybody who's an out like from another country yeah like, they like, did that in on a margin American call accent. when yeah, i watch margin call uh bettany just gets to use his regular voice because yeah, he's in the, the financial not? system he's in why new york not? city but yeah that would happen so. i've lived all over and i've met people from all over everywhere i've went they're I've actually been thinking about that a lot lately. That's weird. Be, <laughs> I mean, not not only that, but the fact that they end up deporting him and literally kicking him out of America and out of this system that the whole movie is teaching us about, like, win or lose, play the game. Like, you're the fuck out. You don't even get to play the play game. The, game right? yeah, the worst person in the movie the is the one that basically wins and gets away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can we talk about the, uh, the effort that goes into the uh, car crash scene? Oh, my God. Movie? Yeah. Oof. Um, I feel what like this me? movie's so short and it's given a lot of time, <laughs> you know. 
Just that. I, I mean, it's not a long scene, but it is pretty in depth, and yeah, it seems like he wants to. Sh- this reminded me of something, and I always keep re- forgetting to bring it up on the show. Remember around 2009 ish when uh, 3D TVs and like all the all this uh, with Jackass 3, all these 3D movies started coming out around 2010, yeah. Yeah. and slow mo became a standard. And uh, even in Sherlock Holmes, I mentioned it in 2011. After 300, yeah. Yeah, and with 3D TVs and this and new like, uh, there was some other new technology that was coming through with camera work and all that. That was yeah. I can't Matrix, explain it right now. Between Matrix and 300, everything got real slowed yeah. down for a while. Yeah, but they took it to a new level with these because 3D movies to show you like, look yeah. at the bullet particles or look at the wood splattering yeah. from a bullet, and it was like, I, I just remember it because it it died, it died pretty quickly, and this kind of reminded me is like one of the last parts of that because it came out in 2012 with this scene, but I'm but I feel like it's well done it. myself. I mean, I think it is. It's, it's, you know, and here's another theory on why people didn't like this movie. If you went into this movie thinking, I'm going to see James Gandolfini be a badass, and then you get Mickey, and you're like, I'm going to go in, <laughs> I'm going to watch uh, Ray Liotta be a badass, and you get Marky, who, like, you get Ray Liotta, uh, everything but pissing and shitting himself in this movie. He is throwing up, he is crying, he is covered in blood, soaking wet, getting the shit beat out of him, getting shot, getting hit by cars after that. Like, he is just a, like, he'd be better off eating pieces of his own brain. Uh, to make a <laughs> Hannibal reference, I was gonna like, say I felt really bad for him in this movie. Rough like, time. Oh, wow. Yeah, you talk about that scene. Okay, great. We got some. It looks it looks really cool when his head hits the glass in the windshield. But for me, it, I feel every single one of the punches in the 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 earlier scene, and it, it, it yeah. I feel so much more emotionally on such a more minimal beating than this whole grandiose CG looking killing. So I agree. The beatdown is harder to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. But again, because he's like wet and how like every time I see Max Kinsella, it's just like you're Doogie Hauser's best friend. It's so <laughs> weird to see you like as a mobster. <laughs> uh, sorry to still like pit, you know, paint him with that brush because the man has been acting his whole life. He's been on The Sopranos. He's been in Ed Wood and the man gets around. He's a, he does good work. Um, I don't mean to sell him short, but it, and he does a great job in the in the one scene he's in here. Like this is really believable. Like I love that they're you know talking to each other, they're using each other's first names and stuff. They're all on a first name basis. These are like they've hung out. These guys have gotten beers together before. Yeah, that's the like, thing to be beaten to have the shit kicked out of you by like a friend, someone you know. That yeah. that's why like. I, I, I don't want to jump into it too fast, but like this whole title, killing them softly. Like I, I thought for years, like Brad Pitt's such a badass. He's so cool as Jackie Cogan. I'm like, he's a fucking prick pussy. Like he he's doesn't even monster. have the balls to look people in the eye. He wants to kill them from far away. So he doesn't have to deal with their emotions. He is yeah. a monster. Off, he, dude. Yeah. A, but you're, but you're right. No, but you're, but this goes back to your point about emasculating and, and deglamorizing organized crime. Like, yeah, he is a badass in this movie in a lot of ways, but like, he's not, but like everything he's doing is because he doesn't want to feel the pangs of conscience. That's right. Of someone. He's not a badass. He's just a, There's okay. No honor I'm, I, he, maybe he's a badass, but he's also one of the only, he's competent. He's a, I think he is one of the few, if only yes. competent people. He does, yes. he knows what to do, even if he doesn't want to do it. And he does it the most cowardly way possible, maybe. So. No, you're right. He's, he is the only competent person in this movie, but <laughs> he, but like, yeah, he like the only way that he's able to do his job is by doing it in such a way that he'll either shoot from afar or which I, what, what he does to Frankie, I think, is far worse. He gives Frankie so much hope, and he makes Frankie betray his friend, uh, played by 
Vincent Cortala, um, squirrel. He makes him, um, he makes him like do all this stuff and then like gives him all this far false hope to the last second. And it's really cruel and it's yeah. all just done so that he doesn't have to listen to him. Yammer. Yeah. I, so I, I looked this up cause I saw the IMDB trivia where it said this is one of 21 movie, 22 movies to have an F score on cinema score and F there's only, wow. there's 21 movies. And this is true. I looked up to verify it. I'm looking at the article right now. Uh, that have an F score with cinema score. Is there, all, since F like started. What other ones have Fs? What can we here's a few examples. Uh, uh, Solaris, 2002. I like that. Awesome. Uh, Mother, exclamation point. One of the worst movies of all time. There you go. So that makes sense. Lucky right. Numbers, uh, 2000. John Travolta. <laughs> I saw it in theaters. It's not good. <laughs> uh, in, really? the cut, in the cut. In Definitely. the cut. There it is. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, wow, since, since we made a good in the cut joke. It <laughs> is. Yeah, it was perfect timing. Uh, Dr. T and the Women, a Richard Gere farce that oh, is just skip that fucking one. brutal. Uh, the Devil Inside, 2012. Looks like a scary movie. Yeah. And well, Bug, Bug, which uh, was a freaking movie Bug. that you recommended to me a while ago, right? Yeah, I haven't been in the, the catch that one. Yeah. Uh, Alone that? in the Dark, 2005, Christian oh, Slater. God. Oh, yeah. That's that's like famously one of the worst movies, Alone yeah. in the Dark. Oh, boy. Okay. So it's on this list of these 20, which I, I'm i shocked by because, I mean, this movie is interesting still and it's got a lot to offer. It's not a fucking disaster by any means, but it's it. this looks to have really, first off, fucked up Dominic's career because... He, I'm sure Eric's aware of this. He did this Nick Cave documentary as a follow-up, right? Yeah. That I'm sure you've yeah, seen. Yeah, he, he, he wanted I to make Blonde. It. I was waiting for Blonde to come out. He had this huge Still epic Marilyn Monroe biopic that he was going to do. Is it? I I've believe. Waiting and waiting and it waiting says post-production 2021 on IMDb. Yeah. So yeah. maybe. I think, uh, it, I think COVID trapped. Tra tra uh, tra you know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, but yeah, like there's been killing him softly as a director and then. The documentary of uh, a Mindhunter episodes, and then that's it. So that's you're right. And he yeah. doesn't take he doesn't do movies every year either. I get that, but the gap is growing, and I and the way that this movie is basically being painted by the masses here, which I really wasn't aware of coming when you said we're going to do this movie. I was like, oh, that'll be fun. It'll be interesting. It's a not the perfect movie by any means, but it seems to be really kind of shit on. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know it was so reviled. <laughs> I know. Neither did I. This is well, the marketing. We we've talked about it. People just expected something completely different. If you had the same movie with all unknown actors, people would be like, "This is a really interesting, thought-provoking crime film." But like everyone just thought it was going to be fucking Goodfellas, and it just isn't. Well, I, I I think it I think it is a thought-provoking crime oh, film for sure. For um, sure. You know, yes. uh, I think that this is a, a thinking person's crime movie. It really is, uh, and the and that it's so grounded in the economic crisis of 2008 should really like shout that to any viewer. Cause again, like the way it starts is not subtle. It's letting you know, Hey, we have things to say about the state of America and we're going to use, yeah. you know, this criminal underground underworld to, to, to show you what's, what's happening. And, uh, and, and the, the proof, you know, the, the the truth is that some people get caught up in the thing and get destroyed, and and people are plundering, and um, and I can see why maybe at the time, maybe this was not what people wanted. Maybe they wanted some escapism, even in 2012. Maybe if, if they, maybe they, they were not still interested, maybe not quite interested in the commentary on uh, uh, crisis. They were yeah. barely pulling themselves out of. 
Um, well, yeah, maybe. Okay, that's interesting. It was four. Okay, yeah, it was still 2012. It was a couple years after the fact, but that doesn't mean people weren't in hell. People were in hell now, though. Right, still. right. It never really They were in ended. hell in 2007. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, this sentence kind of sums up why Killing Them Softly was on this list of F movies on CinemaScore. Sure. Mm. Gorgeously photographed and languidly paced, it's easy to see how it garnered such mainstream agitation. Some F scores are a warning, but with Killing Them Softly, it's a badge of honor. What the fuck does that mean? That it doesn't it they it's a well done movie and people just didn't get it. You know, no. it's a badge of it doesn't belong on this list. And the fact that it is is that sometimes mainstream society doesn't get it. And I think yeah. that's a I think it's kind of a fair assessment here because first either they did get it and they wanted something else like you guys have clearly laid out. Yeah. Or, or what we have here is the painful reminder too, like, oh, I don't want to deal with this stuff or I just don't get it. I you're it is a it's a really kind of a deep movie, even though I said it's we're movie freaks. So I said it was what a heavy handed the hut, but maybe it wasn't that heavy handed for other people with all of these political commentaries and economic commentaries that are two machinations. You got big politics, big time crime family type stuff slash big yeah. mob stuff. All they work with the same kind of stuff. You got invalids and morons and fools all mixed throughout it with the occasional person who knows what they're doing. And I see a great subtext connected both of these worlds um to shift gears a little bit how did you guys feel about the one person of color in this entire movie and also oh the, the only Especially the only the only woman in this movie <laughs> plays a prostitute i take that back there is a person of color there's a black man in the background at one point who fires a gun and is yelling angrily that's it new orleans the only two black people in this movie one's firing a gun in the background screaming profanity the other one's a prostitute I'm like, mm -hmm. I feel like we could have done better. I do get the sense that these are, you know, it's, it's organized crime, like white people might be sticking together. Like it's it does tough. make sense. Yeah, but, 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 but the two bozos, you know, Mendelssohn and McNary could have been black characters. Could have been easily. anybody, right? I mean, then yeah. everyone would have been pissed that they were the shittiest two assholes. Well, and also, I mean, this is about organized crime, but it's not about the Irish mob. It's not about the Italian mob. You get the, nope. the sense. This is a variety of people. And again, like if the white, I, I mean, I think the whiteness should have been either more centered, like like make them overtly racist, which maybe I don't, I don't know that I necessarily wanted to hear that, but like it could have explained that a little saying. bit more instead of kind of feeling like a little bit of an oversight again doesn't feel i mean i've never fucking been to new orleans i've watched a lot of movies in based in new orleans and typically you know you're in new orleans for a variety of reasons including the fact that it's got one of the largest populations of african-americans in the country it's yeah it's so true trim. I mean, you ever watch trim that's dumb trim, right Tremaine. i Tremaine, love yeah. Tremaine. Oh, Tremaine. Tremaine is Shit. fucking oh, great underrated show so good <laughs> i love Tremaine. yeah if you're gonna do a Okay, Andrew Dominic, if you're going to have all these televisions, all these speeches, take advantage of the fact that that you have you could have more ethnicity in your movie because figuratively speaking, the whole nation, everybody, every color was being held up at gunpoint to hand over their money, to give up their equity, to stand there with their hands up and their mouth shut and just let it happen. It's not just Johnny Sack and Ray Liotta and all these and all these Italian people. Like, go for it. Johnny Sack. Oh, that's a fun call out. Yeah. He's a dick. Was his wife. I feel bad for his wife though. Uh, but but she hit, she was the uh yeah, she was she, she was discovered for the for the role. She like uh that actress very famously was like just a nobody that just kind of did a cold call in oh. New Jersey. They like just threw out a, you know, like tens of thousands of people were trying to get the job and uh and she got it. Well, that's a fun I just fact. Wanted a milky a fun way, fact. Johnny, I just wanted a baby rule. 
Yeah, you know this <laughs> hiding of the candy bar thing? I mean, people, I don't know if they, they do do it, but it gets overhyped in movies. Oh, One other thing I want to mention about things that get overhyped in movies that drove me fucking bonkers. Why, even in the 2010s, the clapper. I watched a movie last night. It's from 2011. They're using the clapper. I swear that was no from one. the 80s. No one but the movie's the always just putting it in the movie still. No one in the 80s used the clapper. I, I never met anyone in my fucking life who had a clapper. Is it like and a you contract know, I, with Hollywood for 30 years or something? <laughs> I do know that future generations are going to look back and watch movies and be like, what the people, they use clappers. They're going to assume that. Why wouldn't they? Oh, I, I hate it. it. I hate I think, it. I'll give, I'll give you a theory. It could be a, a fun transition device where you clap your hands, the lights go off, and you can go to the next scene. That's and it. Makes it more clever, yeah. but that's got to be the only reason. That's uh, uh, the only reason. So dumb. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, all right, we're talking kill them softly here. Uh, we got to let's hit all the big points here and wrap this yeah. up because we're getting close to the end. Uh, nope. What else? Um, I, I, I know you I, got points. I, I I disapprove of some song choices oh. here. Uh, oh, like I boy. love Johnny Cash, but like when like when the man comes around, and kicks it. I'm like, man, this has got to be one of the most overused songs in film. Um, you know, like for instance, and then uh, and then also during a heroin scene where everyone's shooting up heroin, you're gonna play Velvet Underground's heroin. <laughs> I'm like, eh. Maybe okay. he's not as subtle as I was giving him credit for earlier. Yeah, I kind of. Um, yeah, a little yeah. too on the nose. <laughs> how, how about like a how about like a, a song by a band or an artist, which there are plenty of who are on heroin, but it's not about heroin. I don't or know. Or I mean, maybe even a New Orleans artist, right? Yeah. There's, oh, there's, no, there's that, one there's or no two heroin in New Orleans. <laughs> there's one or two musicians from New Orleans. You could have maybe played some of their stuff. I don't know. A, yeah, just, uh, his location seems like it was forced upon him. It has nothing to do with his idea of the film. I really get that feeling. But like, it, but like, like it was the cheapest had, tax-free thing, you know? That's possible. Uh, and he may have been like just trying to throw some money towards Katrina and shooting it there. But like, if you're shooting a movie about how the government has failed in protecting its people, and you're filming it yes! in post-Katrina, fucking New Orleans, don't just use like, don't just exploit the uh, the urban decay that's around highlight where you are and why it is the way that it is i mean that's I, a I thought- really really great point and also i wasn't excusing i'm just saying that's what movie companies do right tax-free places hey where oh, do sure. we get the best yeah. tax breaks georgia we um, all go to georgia apparently and now yeah currently it used to be michigan for it a minute was. now it's georgia you know? it's, yeah. It, it, it was new orleans back then because aaron Riker, uh he yep. was building sets down there at that time so if and, that's uh, the only reason also, they put it there fuck them for not well no 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 don't forget, Plan B is Brad Pitt's production company. Brad Pitt bought oh, you're right. dozens yeah, yeah. of homes after yeah, yeah. Katrina and uh, went down there and yeah. spent a lot of time, years, invested yeah. in helping to rebuild the community and, and that kind of stuff. So if I had to guess, if they moved the plot, if they moved the story from Boston to New Orleans, I'm going to guess that um, that would have been Brad Pitt doing. Oh, bye! Papa's Pitt. Yeah, uh... <laughs> That's a good point on the music. Uh, uh, anything? I don't know. What else? I I feel well, like we've music, covered a ton of this. I'm sure there's other bogus, points here. There's bogus music choices, but I love I love the fact that there's not really a score, and especially not one that's drowning out every scene. You get extended periods of time where it's just the characters talking. You talk about that heist. I, I love that heist because oh, it's, it's, it's just everyone's like down to their heartbeats. All the eyes looking at Scoop McNeary yeah. and Ben Mendelssohn. It's just so like you have nothing really to say. You have no fucking clue what you're getting into. It just it drives it makes me so anxious. Speaking of possibly heavy handed metaphors, they go into this. They go into this heist 
with this sawed-off shotgun that's sawed off so short that yeah. I'm worried that if he fires it, it's going to blow up in his face. Versus yeah. Yeah, versus right. Jackie, who has this long cock shotgun that's just like it never ending seemingly on the cover box. Uh, yeah. There's definitely some sort of phallic reference about comp- uh, competency going on here, which I thought was you know a little obvious, but still kind of well done. Yeah, I got it. Uh, I mean. I want to talk a little bit more about Brad Pitt because I, I love him as as Jackie, but he's he's given us in these small doses. And for a role like this that we've never seen him play, we've never seen him play this badass hit, man. It's a shame, in my opinion, that, that we're not given, you know, another hour of this. He's calm in these intense situations. Remember when he's walking down to the bar to meet mm-hmm. Scoob McNeary and there's this fucking like fight in the background with guns. He doesn't about, even yeah. turn his head. He just keeps going straight. And you can imagine there's this whole history there of the, of the character who's been through everything and he's just his own he doesn't man. get distracted because he knows it could cost him his life he seems to be very focused on what is at hand what he needs to do because one false move one distraction lights out i think that one of the things that maybe doesn't land for some people is that this film is really an ensemble piece and you and it's marketed and you're kind of expecting brad pitt to be the main character but in a lot of ways like he, he is sharing the screen quite a bit i mean he's he's still the main guy but scoop mcnary like you said is probably the second main guy um and you're and you get a lot of some other people like like ray liotta's character and and that kind of stuff you get a lot of of, of others i don't know if there's seriously i've said this earlier but i want to get this on the record one last time i don't know if there's ever been a more disgusting character than ben Mendelssohn's character yeah like it makes me ill when oh I look God. at him. I, I get uncomfortable. I feel like the stink and the slime. It's so slimy. He's so slimy, physically slimy. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, not only is he, is he a dog thief, one of his first lines is something like, oh, he's talking it. about, yeah, he's, it. he's talking about women in a way that is one of the most rep, like, it's just reprehensible. One of the worst phrasings of like how to like treat a woman I think I've ever heard in film. Yeah. So, but like, yeah, you're supposed to hate him right off the bat, and they do a good job of making sure that you do. Uh, he is fantastic in the movie, but you're right, he is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I used to think that the Ewan McGregor climbing into the toilet bowl and train spotting was one of the grosser things I could recall on film, and this tops it. He's yeah, just being don't... stuck in the car with Kenny and Russell with all the dogs. Yeah, um, that, that would be worse. Which, by oh. the way, like again, like to go. I, mean, I kind of touched on it before, but like that's that scene is funny when Kenny goes to blow up the car and instead like hits himself. But like, why would you <laughs> laugh at the dude and then tell the guy that you knocked over the fuck his boss's fucking card game? Like the one again, like the one guy Russell, the one guy who gets away is the guy that gives the whole game away, and, and he gets Squirrel and Frankie both killed. It's uh, but again, like this movie subverts so much, um, and which I, again, I, I can see where some people would be like, "Oh, I don't like that. That's not that doesn't meet my expectations." Uh, but I found it interesting to have my expectations defied. Hmm. Pretty good. Yeah, come on, Mike. It's huh? America. It's big business. Someone's got to get away <laughs> scot free. <laughs> well, That's right. That's that gets right. us to the scene of the movie the right scene. Yeah. the scene of the how movie how many times did you watch it when you uh replayed it the other day just the once just the once i don't oh, wear I, myself I, out I on that scene. A couple times. i love it but um that monologue at the end that's that bar scene between richard jenkins and and him at the end uh what is he i'm li- i'm living in america and in america you're on your own america's not a country it's just a business now fucking pay me yes one of the best is. last lines of any movie just now fucking pay me cut to black Cut to black. Everyone in the audience be like, what? I thought this was going to be like. My mind was like. 
Uh, is this a love story? Does someone get murdered more? <laughs> Only three people get murdered. That's not enough. No, that's a. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I. That is really, really what stuck with me. And I. Yeah. Can't believe I forgot that for a second. It's so well done there, man. And he he's he's back and forth. He's trying to shortchange him, and that is America, yeah. man. There's people yeah. trying to. Cut each other out, you know, not give them what they deserve or what the other person thinks they deserve, especially monetarily. It's all about business. It's all about money in the end. No matter what you hear otherwise, that's what drives this country. And it always did. And it started that way. You know, the, again, like to go into why people might not like it. The climax, you got you got Vincent Curatola squirrel shot down from afar and like shot like a dog in the street, which is not very climatic. Like there's no gunfight back. He had and a lovely then, date too, a nice little evening there. It's right. Funny. And then Scoop, Scoop McNary gets popped in the head again, kind of anticlimactic. But and so I can see where some people are like I, I thought there'd be like some big, you know, <laughs> some sort of fight on top of a building or something with a blue Where's light out the cup, right? And it's, but instead, I think that uh, Dominic really sticks the landing of this film with this outro. I mean, it, it like again, like like you said, Eric, it's a wordy film, and like he 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 wraps it up with, and it's not just that; it's the fucking it's. The hope and change. Obama has won. That's the backdrop that's going on. If people are celebrating because it's election night, Obama has won. Everything's going to change, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, and to have that, I think, perfectly written speech. I don't know if that's directly. I think that bothered some so people. Awesome. Was the fact because it's Maybe. the term. His first term was basically up when this movie came out. Right. So you had four years of Obama, and people who loved it, even if they. We're kind of blind to some of the faults because all presidents have faults regardless. And maybe people were bothered by that because this movie is not pro Obama. It's not pro any president. It's pro. This is business. This is the reality of the situation. Yeah. For being a political film. Go ahead, Eric. Well, it, it deals with like overall, there's this uh, undertone of these uh, American promises. And, and, and a lot of the film is about promises and these transactions between people like Mickey and Jackie and Jackie and the driver, Richard Jenkins and everybody else. And, and any hope you might have is just going to be completely disillusioned one way or another. Someone's not going to be happy. Uh, I think there's a ton there for a script that gets accused of being too, too uh, brief and, and distant. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of the show, Aaron Worley, and he mentioned the word disillusionment in, in, in talking about this film as well. I think this film is, I think, I think you guys are, you hit the nail on the head. This movie is about disillusionment in a big way. Yep. I think that's a good place to wrap it up, boys. Maybe come to a final conclusion on this film. Does it hold up? Does it hold up? 2012's Killing Them Softly. Travis, this well, is your pick. Yeah, I brought this to the table, so it, you know, and I did start the podcast where I kind of accidentally said, "Oh, I think it's great." So uh, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll go ahead and say what it's probably been pretty clear that yeah, I I, I do think this film holds up. Um, I think that this is extremely representative of the time. I think it's a great film about um, a lot of it's about fuck around and find out, you know, to, to use a little mm -hmm. meme speak. Uh, you know, people are like, I love when Vincent Curatola, Squ Squirrel's character is like, other people are going to think of this idea. We're not the only smart guys around. Like, yeah, no, right. you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, these people are fucking fools. And uh, uh, yeah, so I, I think that there's a, I think there's a lot going on in this movie. You have some really, really rich performances. And again, like if you just want James Gandolfini and Ray Liotta being typical tough guys, then you might be disappointed. But because you're they're showing some peak acting here from both of these men, I think are doing some of the better work of their of both of their careers in roles that are not 
that likable. Marky's pretty likable, but it's pitiful. And then Mickey is like a fuck. You just you're right. Like you want him off the screen. You love James Gandolfini so much as an actor, but you despise this character whose hobby is fucking prostitutes. <laughs> you know he's so gross. Um, but yeah, so I'll wrap it up there. I I I, I like this movie even better than I thought I would. Still, I, I'm gonna say uh, this movie definitely holds up. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'll go next. Eric, you closed it out recently? I don't know. Go ahead, please, Mike. My name is oh, Michael Govier, and I do a, f- a show called the Cinema 9 Podcast. And on this show, we talk about movies. Today's movie is Killing Them Softly. <laughs> and I must tell you that this 2012 film has a lot to offer. It's brief, gets to the point, doesn't mess around, has some gross characters, has some do doofusy characters. Brad Pitt, yeah, people love Brad Pitt. I I respect Brad Pitt. I think he's fine. I don't love him. I don't obsess over him. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer or anything like that. He's certainly a wonderful actor. Who's that? A, a great career because he's made a lot of great choices too. Uh, he's also a beautiful man, so that gives him advantages that other people don't have. It's true. It's how society works, and it's how America works. And in this movie, it's about how America really works and who gets the opportunities, who doesn't, and who cashes in. And in the end, it's the same type of people, the same groups of people that cash in again and again and again. And this movie could have really done a better job, as you guys, uh, Travis, alluded to earlier in the show, by talking about these promises not being met from politicians and even business, you know, regional business owners, national business owners, international conglomerates, not delivering the promises to these groups of people like African-Americans or other oppressed minorities historically throughout the United States. And that, that could have really been brought more into this tale, especially with it being shot in New Orleans as well. It's just a big miss. And if you start to break it down like that, it's like, boy, this, this is a interesting, entertaining movie. But I think it's such a misfire that I'm going to say it doesn't hold up. I'm really going to say that because, because it's such an opportunity to open up people's minds because it had big actors that drew a lot of people to see it. You could have, you could have created a tale that may have impressed or inspired or at least informed people. I know it's a fictional film too, but it still has a lot of historical truthful elements mixed into it. And I think it was a missed opportunity. I'm going to say it doesn't hold up. You know, the IMDB, you know, I don't know if you can trust it or not, but it it tells us that Dominic had a two and a half hour cut of this film and the producers wanted it trimmed the fuck down. Uh, I'd be real interested to look into any truth behind that, because like we all are saying, we want more. I mean, there's so much to be said. I mean, oh, you like the you like the uh, brevity? Honestly, one of the, one of the notes I made to myself that I forgot to mention was that I think in lesser hands this would be a bloated two and a half hour fucking film, and it would get tedious, and it would get like, ugh, when does it end? Um, I, I think that going for, I mean, maybe ten more minutes or so would have I could have handled that, but like I think I think that part of this film's strength is its brevity. I think it's like a bullet. Okay, well, that that's interesting, and I mean, Mike. I respect your opinion. We're talking about, I mean, this is opening up a lot of conversation for us. So I think anyone taking a look at this is, is going to be probably um, inclined to, to talk a little bit about more about not only uh, criminal element, crime films in general, but the, this backdrop of this financial crisis, America is a fucking business. We're starting to live in a world that's populated by nothing but transactions, literally figuratively and this is a great example of how you can have that conversation and make a film solely about wretched characters 
and make it genuinely engaging. Uh, and yes, take a drink if you're playing the Cinema 9 game. Prescient. Uh, I think it's a masterful <laughs> film. I, I, I love it. I think it completely holds up. And it, yeah, for me, it tantalized me. I want a scene with Dylan in it. And, and I want more scenes with, with uh, some of these other characters. But I, I, I relish it. I love a film. You know, it, it kind of makes me think of um, a good pop song doesn't wear out its chorus. Yeah. You know, you, you when it's over, you listen to it over and over again because you want more of it, but you can only get what's there, you know? Um, so yeah. I, for that reason, I think this movie, I think it actually adds to the rewatchability of this movie. Um, yeah. 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 It reminds me a, of a film. Uh, it reminds me of a little bit of Black Mass, who which dealt exclusively yeah. with the Boston Mafia. And that is a long exhausting boring right. movie because they do try to stuff so much about the uh the, where they get in the cops and all that shit it's just a chore so right. yeah yeah you're right trim the fat there's no johnny law in this movie either do we mention that <laughs> uh is there they, really there, there is except they, at the very end oh yeah yeah, we, yeah. like we, they had the get shorty scene with the, uh, with, yeah, the, when, air, yeah. With the airport yeah um, slimy gets busted never yeah, mind old, old slimy <laughs> gets busted old right. slimy oh tonight a brand new episode of Killing them softly. Old slimy gets busted. All uh, right, there it is. Uh, I, you know, it's it's not a bad movie. I just feel like it might have been a missed opportunity here. So, and we asked if it holds up. That's my opinion. But you guys rule. You win two to one. Victory for Travis and Eric today on the Killing Them Softly edition of the. Not a competition. Yes, it is. Everything's competition, no, on, and it will always. Exciting. This is America, dude. Pay me and uh, fuck off. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next week, uh, Eric Branson's in charge. He's All back right. on the scene. Uh, Eric, uh, let's see. Where did he take us last time? Well, I, tell, I can't believe it was. it's already me again because I took us to One Hour Photo. I was very yeah. One Hour Photo. That's movie. right. Man, yeah. loved it. It's where are we going this time? Uh, we're going to go to 92. Okay, we're going to oh, go back wow. to 92. And Still in a room without a view? <laughs> we're actually going to... Travis, me and you talked about this film and... I'm not at a point right now where I can investigate a, a spin-off series. So I think this is a good time for us to to take a look at uh, a movie that I'm afraid is going to be way too problematic for its own good, but I remember loving so much when it when it first came out for so many mostly technical reasons and performance reasons. Uh Michael Mann Last of the Mohicans. Travis, you're going to have the opportunity to sound off, and I'm going to be really interested in what you have to say because, from a technical standpoint, this movie is gorgeous to look at. Damon Day Lewis, Madeline Stowe, Wes Studi. What could go wrong? I have never seen this movie, so you lived at the dump. We, 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 we I know, but I never watched repeat. it. No, I never. I never. I mean, I might have seen one scene as I passed by, but I never sat down and watched this film ever. It just never, for some reason, it never motivated me. Even though it's a Michael Mann film, so. it was cool. Friends of the show uh, Luke's horror, uh, Luke Horrible's favorite movie. So he I would talk about it ad true. nauseum. Yeah. Well, we're so, gonna find I out guess, the truth. I guess on this we one. will too. <laughs> I've seen a slow mo Daniel Day Lewis running down the middle of the screen. I've seen that. Yeah, you know, he runs out the it, screen. So. It's in slow mo. Yeah, that's all I got. So <laughs> look at that face on Travis. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna be. Uh, uh, face is gonna bother me for the next. This few is hours. why we do this show, though. This is why we do the show, everybody. So. I you already wait. know how I feel about this movie, Eric. So I mean, you, you well, know, you, we're gonna get it on the record. Uh, it's been a long time. All right, there it is. I, I, it's I, a I, dump. I, there you go. Probably was the last time. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I watched it once since then. I don't remember. Uh, uh, yeah, I think this is why we do this. So I, you, as a historian, this I'm is really why we do hear, this. You break this down. 
This is why we do this. Well, I'm not. It's not like I'm making you watch Triumph of the Will. I mean, you don't want to have to watch this. (laughs) Birth of a Nation? Uh, Which one? Um, Which one? (laughs) Didn't work out. Well, that's that's the choice. That's the movie we're going to watch. That Um, is. You're right. That is correct. All right. Cool. There it is. Well, next week we'll do it. Bye bye. Watch the movie. We'll watch. (laughs) Yeah. Cinema and iPod at ProtonMail.com. If you want to just throw a logo out there for the hell of it, sure. We'd like to see your free samples. Uh, Christian did a great job. But if you guys are ever motivated to do work for us that we're not going to do, we love it. So it's always cool. Thank you so much to you, to you people, and the ones that we don't even know about out there who listen, watch, and connect with us every so often. Until next week. Pay me. Now fuck, it's America. <laughs> now fucking pay us. Slimy. We'll see you next week for The Last of the Mohicans, 1992 film. Until then, I'm uh, Michael Gobier. He's Travis Roy, and that's Eric Brantrup, who chose next week's movie. So direct all your commentary towards him. Thank you. Bye.